0: To keep God at the very center of everything that we do. And and that, it, when we get off track from that, we bring confusion into our lives. When we no longer have God at the center of our lives, we are introducing confusion into our lives because it's no longer about, about God, but rather it's about just building myself up or even my family or my community. And and some of these things can be good, but if God's not at the center of it, then it's bringing confusion. And in today's culture, we have, we have parents that uh, are, are raising kids and 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 they're they're, they're pouring uh, you know, time into them and, and you say, well, it's not all about me. Yeah but, yeah, but you are you're teaching your kids by by taking them to every travel ball practice and every travel ball game. And you're out and you're missing church for this and that and and everything, every opportunity that you have to be able to get away. You take it and it's all about me instead of allowing God to be at the center of it where God belongs. You're introducing confusion into your family right this is where we're getting this morning that that maybe you today are saying well you know this isn't me i, I don't feel like i'm a i'm a narcissist but 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 sometimes we can get priorities a bit a bit mixed up in our life and we no longer have god at the center of our priority and when that happens we bring confu- we're, we're ushering in confusion into our situation into our life See, I want to just talk about a few things that an I love me mentality seeks to do. Uh, actually, let's let's go back. I, I missed a passage here in Isaiah chapter 47. Let's read this because this is this is enlightening here. Isaiah chapter 47, verse eight, beginning in verse eight. It tells us, therefore, hear now this, that thou art given to pleasures. That dwellest carelessly That sayest in thine heart, I am and none else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment and one day. The loss of children and widowhood. They shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness. Thou hast said, none seeth me. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee, and thou hast said in thy heart, I am and none else beside me. This being the motto of an I love me mentality. I am and there's none else beside me. It's about me. Now, who Isaiah was speaking to here were the people of Israel, and they had gotten their mind off of God and gotten their priorities away from God. And as you see, has started to, started to give in to the pleasures of life. They dwelt carelessly. They said, I am and there's none beside me. They it says they trusted in their own wickedness. They trusted that this was going to be the best uh, best way to uh, best way to spend their time was by doing wicked things, and they said that uh, none sees me. That it doesn't seem like there's any consequence to this. That God doesn't really care that I am focused on myself. But Isaiah was telling them there's going to be some consequence for this down the road. It's coming. There's pending judgment. Their whole motto was, "I am." And there's none beside me. There's self-focused thinking that you're smarter than God and that you know better than God and that you love better than God. You would even judge the earth better than God. Uh, you would write laws better than God. All of that is what Isaiah was talking about. That everything from the Babylon kind of mentality where it was make a name for myself. Everything was about elevating Self. In fact, that's our next blank to elevate self. The I love me mentality seeks to elevate yourself. It elevates me. It's all about me. It's about me making a name for myself or me finding pleasure or me being satisfied. Everything is about elevating myself. And what that comes from, what supports that, is A self-adoring attitude. When the focus is all about me, whenever we get what we want. If I, if I want it, I get it. Self-adoring. I, I love myself. I love myself. The mentality, this mentality of a, of an I love me mentality is self-building. And I can do it without God. God, I'll let you know when I need you. I'll call out to you when I am in trouble. But I believe that I'm able to do this myself. And I can maybe even keep God nicely tucked into that Sunday church pocket. And as long as I do that and keep him there, then every other Part of my life can be focused on me. God, I'll give you your space, but everything else is going to be about building myself up and showing you that I'm able to do this. Sadly, this is a lot of people's attitude toward God. The last thing is that this mentality is self-indulging. It's narcissistic. It's humanistic. It's hedonistic. It's, it's this belief about our feelings that, you know, I, you know, whatever I feel, that must be right. If I feel that something is right, but God calls it sin, how dare God call that sin? Right? Well, this is this mentality. If I, if it feels good, then it must be good. But if God doesn't call it good, then it's not. But this mentality of I love me is where we make the rules, where we make, uh, we make the judgment on where, what is good and what's evil instead of allowing God to be God and putting Him at the center and understanding that I don't have everything figured out. In fact, God, He's already laid it all out for us right here in His Word. But there's some things, sometimes where, where, the I love me mentality comes up against this. And that's when you really see where uh, where we fall on that uh, on the spectrum of is it about myself or is it about God? This mentality, it doesn't only elevate ourself, but at the same time, it seeks to lower God. And attempts to make God less than he is. And as this. Is lowering God. What culture is, is, is trying to do is, is trying to mock God and, and make him, make him a, you know, much less than, than what God really, truly is. And Babylon's motto being, I am, there's none beside me. That is a blatant mockery of who God is and that God is and there's none beside him. But in order to lower God, here's some statements that maybe, maybe you've heard Satan speak these to you at a time or two. That God doesn't love me. God doesn't love me. Satan loves to speak that into people's lives. Now, how could God call me away from something that I feel in my heart? How could God let me go through this if he truly loved me? That Satan would love nothing more than just be on. Un- you know just speak this in your life lowering God down we we know scripture tells us very clearly it's 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 a very succinct statement that says god is love god himself is love but satan would love to tell you god doesn't love you god doesn't care about you in fact not only does god not love you but he would tell you god isn't for you. God isn't for me. That God is old fashioned, that maybe he, he worked 2000 years ago, but, but living that way doesn't work for me today. And this is a lie. This is absolutely a lie because God is just as relevant today and, and the Word of God is just as relevant today as it was in the culture in which it was written, in the time period in which it was written. The Word of God is alive and still, uh, still relevant to us today. It still speaks direct truth into our lives today. The same way that it did 2,000 years ago when the last of these words were written. It's still speaking clearly to us today. Was there some uh, that, that Satan would just speak that lie that, hey, God isn't for you. You're okay. You're okay without God. Last thing, and our blank is much too small for this, but the last part is that God wants too much from me. God wants too much from me. And the truth is, God does want something from us. In fact, he wants a lot from us. He wants us to surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Why? It's because everything I owe. Everything. God, I I owe everything to you. God, there's, there's nothing in this world, God, that I could even have, Lord, without, without you. And so, God, I surrender all, I surrender everything to you. But, but what Satan would love to, to do is, is to tell you, God, he, he's, he's requesting too much from you. God wants too much from you. You don't really have to give all of that to God. In fact, even Eve he's saying, Ah. Oh, You mean God would limit you from that one, that one fruit that's in the, on that one tree? God, God wants too much from you to to say that you can't have that. You should have access to everything. There's some things that for our own benefit God would say, here, let's mark a barrier here that you will not cross. Why? Because I love you and I care about you and I'm not asking this of you just just to just to punish you. But I'm doing it so that you could be separated from the evil that's in this world. That's why I'm calling you to live this way. And there are things that God would ask of you, but but none of it is too much in comparison to what Jesus did for us when he gave his life on the cross. But this I love me mentality would, would seek to lower God by telling us that God wants too much from you. See, this I love me mentality, it's it's found everywhere. You can see it throughout the Bible. You can see it today. If you just open up Facebook, you will see this. Just do a quick scroll, and you will notice that there are you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you're on, you will notice that it's all about me. One of the best illustrations that we can see of this mentality can be found in the Bible uh, from one of the kings of Babylon, the place where all of this, I believe, started. His name was King Nebuchadnezzar. He's the king of Babylon, and his story can be found in the book of Daniel, chapter 4. Daniel, chapter 4, says that I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house, and I was flourishing in my palace. He was saying, I'm doing great without God in my life. Everything is going splendidly. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of of this in chapter 4. But it goes on to say that Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And the dream was of this great big tree. And this tree gets cut down. And he wakes up the next day. He doesn't know what this means. And so he calls in everyone that he can think of. Given the interpretation, and only Daniel ends up being able to tell him what that dream really means. Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar that this dream, in this dream, that Nebuchadnezzar was the tree, and that he was going to get driven away and to live life with the wild animals. He was talking to the king, the most powerful man in the world at that time. And telling him that he was about to go insane. Remember, Babel or Babylon, where this King Nebuchadnezzar was at, means confusion, chaos, insanity. And the king, who was all about himself, over the most powerful kingdom in the world, was just resting in his house not too long after that, Commenting on how great things were going in his life, because he had everything that he wanted, and he was literally driven out into the fields with the wild animals. He went insane. It was only though for a time because in the dream, God left a stump for the tree from that tree that was cut down he didn't he didn't cut it all the way down and and from that stump. There was this opportunity for restoration. And God, I believe, gives all of us the same opportunity that He gave Nebuchadnezzar. That there no matter how low we get in life, no matter how self-centered, no matter how far away from God we may get, there's still a stump that's there in the possibility for restoration in our life. That God gives us this opportunity. And we see it played out through uh, through the life of Nebuchadnezzar. That he went insane. He did go out. And it tells us he was even e- eating the grass of the field. His nails grew long. His hair was long and he was just out there but then one day god restored to him it tells us in daniel four thirty two says until thou know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomever he will he was daniel's telling him whomever or, that you need to acknowledge that heaven rules you need to acknowledge that god in heaven rules and once you flip over to that mentality, when once you do that, something begins to change. Oh, yeah. Once you begin to get away from everything being self-centered and about me, something begins to change. The things they start working out. And in heaven, uh, when when heaven is in charge, when God's in charge, and it's not about me, this flip get or this script gets flipped from an "I love me" mentality to an "I love God" mentality. And God says that things will begin to start to work out. And you start to see some progress in the affairs of your life. The lasting things, especially. These things that we may see, see it somewhat here on earth, but there's, there's an eternal consequence to it. And for, for Nebuchadnezzar, we see this in uh, Daniel 4, 36 and 37. It says, at the same time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom. This is speaking from the mouth of Nebuchadnezzar. For the glory of my kingdom. Mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords. They sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I Nebuchadnezzar praise and extol and honor. Who? The king of heaven. All whose works are truth. In his ways, judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Nebuchadnezzar came to the understanding that he was not all that he thought he was. Rather, God is in charge. Now, this isn't the first time that Nebuchadnezzar came in contact with what God is able to do. we would seen this, this story play out Uh, several times where, where he had come in contact with the God of the heavens, with, with God Almighty, and, and God had proved himself. We saw the boys in the fiery furnace, and at that moment, we, you thought, uh, you know, Nebuchadnezzar at, after seeing them live, he says, praise be to God, and the God, this is the only God, but yet, he then went back to serving himself. But now, he, he, once again, begins to honor God, and God restores everything unto him and gives him a clear mind. See, Jesus told us in John chapter 5, verse 30, he says, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear, I judge. My judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. I think we do good to take what, what Jesus is saying here. And to understand that I can do absolutely nothing without God. This I love me mentality, it's, it's fruitless in the end. It's, it's baseless and because I can't do anything without God. There's nothing that I can do without God. And here I want to, I want to wrap this up on the back, back side of our, our paper here on talking about avoiding an I love me mentality. How can we avoid this? I love me mentality. The first thing that we need to do is to exalt God. God I exalt you. I lift you up or I put you in the place where you belong. The next thing is I acknowledge God and in, in all my ways. I acknowledge you. God, in everything that I do, God, I, I I have you at the center of it. And God, I, I make sure that that I'm not doing this of my own will, but I would do it of your will. And, and this is avoiding this mentality that's so dangerous when it's all about us. Instead, I acknowledge God. The last thing that we do as we wrap this up here this morning is I humble myself. James 4.10 tells us, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. See, there, there will be times when you will be praised in this, in this life and and even by doing the work of God that you will get recognition and, and there, there will be times when uh, when you are lifted up, but but in all of this, I, I humble myself in the sight of the Lord and just allow God to bring that praise. Just allow that to come as as I humble myself and I acknowledge God and I exalt God. And I and here's what I want to just ask this morning is that that we would not be so wrapped up in ourselves, but instead that we would just allow God, Amen, to have His way in our life. And then the greatest thing that you could do is to start your mornings. In the time of prayer, and just say, God, lead me today. Help me not to be focused on my endeavors, but instead, God, just, just let me be led by your Spirit, God. And everything that I would do today, God, help me to just speak what you want me to speak and to, to be there for those, God, that you have put in my path. Amen. I just to begin with a with this knowledge that God is here and, and He's He's in the midst of all that we would do. Amen. I wonder if we could just stand as we have. We have our classes that are making their way back in here this morning. I wonder if we could just stand here today and we could just lift up our hands. Amen. This morning. And if there's a little inkling of this mentality in you today, if there's part of this in yourself today that might resonate, I wonder if you could just just lift up your hands and just repent and just find a place with God and say, Lord, help me, Lord, to uh, to get myself out of the center of my life. God, help me, Lord, to put you where you belong. God, I don't want to listen to the voice of the enemy. I don't want to listen to him as he would try to tell me that you are not enough, God, or that you are lower than what you truly are. God, you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. God, you do deserve everything, and God, I would surrender my all to you today. Lord, I pray that you just touch us here today. Lord, I believe that the greatest revival begins to break out when we, God, just to get ourselves out of the center of everything that we would do. God, we put you right in the center where you belong. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to have, uh, they're going to make their way in right now. Our children's choir is going to sing for us this morning. And Amen. I wonder if you could. Let's just worship with them this morning as they lead us in the time of worship. Our work so hard. Every Sunday when they go back there to practice, Sister Michelle works so hard with them. So we ask you today that you would just stand and worship with our New Life Kids worship team.